By a unanimous vote this spring, state lawmakers approved legislation paving the way for more maternal infant care centers in parts of New York where infants are disproportionately suffering from drug withdrawal as a result of in utero exposure. For more on this bill and the problems it's looking to address, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Miriam Mack, Policy Director for the Family Defense Practice at the Bronx Defenders. Welcome to the show, Miriam. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. And also joining us is Dr. Matt Holm, a pediatrician whose practice includes treating infants with substance exposure in the Bronx. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. So in my introduction, I mentioned the problem of infants suffering from drug withdrawal as a result of in utero exposure. Matt, can you explain how exposure might happen and talk about what drug withdrawal consists of uh, for an infant? Sure. Um, So typically, we tend to look at infant exposure to different substances kind of in two different category uh, categories. One would be typically the more common ways or folks look at it, whether it's oral consumption of things like alcohol, intranasal consumption such as cocaine or other drugs, as well as intravenous or IV drug use. Um, and then there's another category, which is typically folks that are on maintenance therapies or maintenance medications for their drug use or substance use disorder, which can be things like buprenorphine or more commonly known as suboxone, um, as well as methadone, um, which are medications that actually lower mortality associated with substance use disorders. There are a number of different symptoms that can be associated with substance use exposure or withdrawal. So sometimes that's such things as difficulty breathing, tremulousness, irritability, as well as other objective signs associated with changes in, a, in an infant's respiratory rate or their heart rate. So there's all things that can be associated as well as many other symptoms and signs that can be associated with withdrawal. And are the withdrawal symptoms permanent or are these things that can be treated if addressed quickly? Interesting enough, typically, um, this has been something that we've most commonly treated with other opioid agonists, so things like morphine, which usually is a short amount of time in the hospital, but it can be prolonged on the matter of weeks. And now there's more evidence that this may not be the best mode of therapy or interventions we can utilize in these situations. Well, what would the best form of intervention be? So since the 1970s, um, healthcare providers have used something called a Finnegan score, which this allows us to have a more objective scale about when to use pharmacologic treatment for infants that have withdrawal symptoms. However, there was some concern that these types of scales, which typically look at vital signs and other withdrawal signs that we just discussed, were not typically focused on infant function um, and more often led to prolonged hospital stays um, due to too much pharmacologic interventions. So now, um, in 2017, uh, along with Dr. Grossman and other folks at Yale New Haven, they found um, a protocol called Eat, Sleep, and Console, which is usually focused on more on infant function, especially providing an environment that allow them to feed and be next to their mother um, in a low-stimulation environment, like I was saying, um, is actually found to have better results. Um, And this was actually just recently proven in April Um, on a larger scale and was published in the New England Journal of Medicine by the Act Now Collaborative, which found those results to be consistent across the board. Well, Miriam, where do people go for that type of more modern response and how prevalent are are those treatment options in New York? So I think that's part of the problem um, that this bill seeks to address is that 
there really aren't areas that provide this type of care for neonates and the birthing person, the person that gave birth to the neonate, so that they can get the best treatment possible. I think what we're looking at right now um, and what we see commonly and certainly what I see with the folks that I work with, um, clients that I represent who perhaps their infant is experiencing symptoms of withdrawal, is that the infant is sort of held at the hospital and treated in the NICU. And then the the birthing person has to, to leave the hospital because they're ready for discharge, but the baby's not ready for discharge. And then on top of that, this is the sort of compounded by um, oftentimes, and even though the law in New York doesn't provide for this, when we have neonates who are experiencing symptoms of withdrawal, or if there is a positive drug test from the birthing person or from the neonate, we see not only are they not able to sort of remain together to, to really benefit from that eat, sleep, console model in the hospital, but also what I would refer to as the family policing system, but more commonly known as the child welfare system, um, is called on that parent. And then a case is called into court. And oftentimes what happens is that the, the birthing person and the neonate are separated. And they're separated by way of a neglect case being filed against the, pa- the parent, the birthing person. And it really just undermines what Dr. Holm is talking about, the importance. And, and actually, like we have studies to show, the effectiveness of the Eat, Sleep, Console, making sure that that newborn baby um, is able to remain with their mom on the birthing person. So what exactly is a maternal infant care center and what is it about them that makes them sort of the right venue for this new approach to treating withdrawal? So I think what the maternal, what the bill, the maternal infant care center proposes is a specific center that is created to address the needs of birthing people um, and of neonates and neonates that are experiencing symptoms of withdrawal. I think one of the critical pieces to understand, and that's so incredibly important for two reasons, one from a healthcare aspect, but also important because what this bill is doing is it is, it's taking a stand in New York and it's saying we are going to shift from practices that can be practices that undermine the health of the neonate and the birthing person that sometimes can be punitive practices. And we're going to we're going to shift to a more support model. And and what's really important about what it does is it recognizes the importance of the dyad, of that maternal infant diet. It recognizes that the best care, the best medicine for this neonate across the board, especially neonates that are experiencing symptoms of withdrawal is to be with their mama, is to be with the birthing person. And then the other thing that makes these maternal infant care centers really special is that in the bill language, the text itself, um, it it anchors in evidence-based practices. It anchors in encouraging breastfeeding, providing trauma-informed care to the parent-infant dyad, right? So not just focused on this neonate, but in understanding that the neonate is intrinsically tied to the parent um, and uplifting that dyad, focusing on social determinants of health. And most importantly, it's also making clear in the language of this bill that a person and a neonate entering the center is not in and of itself evidence of parental neglect. And the reason why we think that that's really important here is that is really, again, taking a stand in New York to say that a person struggling with substance use disorder, we are going to respond with care and support. We are going to respond by treating the parent-infant dyad with dignity, and we're going to respond with evidence-based 
practices that have been shown to be effective to making sure that the birthing person and that baby are healthy and supported. And in terms of what's required under this bill, which calls for at least four pilot maternal infant care centers outside of hospitals, would that mean standing up new healthcare infrastructure, or could this mean adapting existing birthing facilities, for example? You know, David, I don't have the exact answer to that. What I will say is that I think this bill is written in a way to provide a lot of flexibility to really determine what is the best pathway and the most economical pathway for New York to be able to establish these centers. I don't think that these centers are calling for necessarily reinventing the wheel and actually do allow for building on capacity and resources that that might already exist. Well, assuming the pilot program goes well, there is some sort of statewide embrace of these maternal infant care centers. What are the benefits both to public health and potentially the state's pocketbook that you could envision from this sort of policy embrace? I think the benefits to public health are, you know, what we've sort of discussed already is that when we we know, um, and it's been an increasing trend throughout the country to respond to substance use um, with supports for people. We know that when we respond with punishment, it does not make people healthier. It does not make children healthier or better taken care of. It doesn't make uh, people who use substances healthier or better taken care of. And in fact, there was a study that was uh, recently done, and this was out of um, Canada that showed that when um, folks who have opiate use disorder, when their children are removed from them post-birth, the rate of overdose deaths increases. We know that responding with care and support is actually what keeps our communities healthier and stronger. Um, We know that these, these shifting towards these maternal infant care centers that are really prioritizing and centering the eat, sleep, console model also creates a significant cost savings for the state. So there was one study uh, that was done recently looking at the eat, sleep, console model. And this what the study found um, is that it greatly reduced the average length of stay um, of the infant in that facility. Um, and also, as, as Dr. Holm was saying, reduce the amount of morphine or pharmacologic intervention that was needed to treat that infant. And I believe the study shows that the average length of stay decreased from 22.4 days to 5.9 days. There was also a cost decrease in savings on the order of around $30,000. So this is really, really, really significant, both on a cost savings for the state, but also in terms of really sort of shifting towards a public health model response to substance use disorder. The public health effects of bills like this, and not only this, but hopefully future bills, will, I mean, have a potential to be very profound. I mean, again, New York State is seeing Recently, this was confirmed um, by the New York Department of Health that there will be a continued increase of overdose deaths in our state, um, and especially in communities like the ones I work in, especially in the Bronx. Um, And so we have to continue to reimagine clinical environments that, again, support and destigmatize substance use in parents. Again, these parents are typically incredibly capable and loving and dedicated to their children. Um, And so we need to find ways to meet them where they're at and realize that child removal, again, 
um, like Miriam alluded to, has increased rates of maternal and, and um, parental depression, higher rates of overdose. Um, and again, foster care involvement has been incredibly harmful to young people typically. So again, if we can have these bills that can encourage this type of destigmatized care, um, and de-incentivize um, the idea of uh, family surveillance, I think ultimately we'll see a, a much more positive effect on a public health um, scope than we realize. It's bills like this really are reflective of New York's commitment to reproductive justice, which is so important in this post-Dobbs, post-Roe world. Um, I think what the leaders of reproductive justice have made clear over the years and that New York has shown itself to support is in addition to supporting what it means to support the bodily autonomy and dignity of people with the capacity to give birth means to support them in their decision to terminate their pregnancy as much as their decision to bring a pregnancy to term and to give birth to children and raise those children with dignity and support. And so really what I see this bill as is New York continuing to sort of blaze that trail and to say that we are a jurisdiction that supports the dignity and autonomy of birthing people and invests in the health of neonates, um, babies, which will grow to be children and our next New Yorkers. So really excited um, to see and hopefully, hopefully this is signed into law soon. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Miriam Mack of the Bronx Defenders for joining us. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you for having me. And I also want to recognize Dr. Matt Holm. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.